Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Good morning. Again, my name is Tony Tucci. I get the pleasure of uh, teaching this morning. So, there wasn't a podium, so I had a makeshift here. All right. How's everybody doing? Good? Good. You guys have a good weekend? Good. It's not over, right? Okay. I'm just going to take my time. You guys can take a nap quick while I get set up. All right. So today we're going to keep going through Joshua. And uh, let me ask you this. So how many, how many of you have been reading through Joshua throughout the week? Raise your hand if you've been doing that. Okay, a couple of you. Okay, I, I, okay, so I remember I introduced the book, and I was saying, hey, let's all read through this together, right? So just right, today's the fifth week we're going through it. We've had four, and we have four more, so we got, I'm smack dab in the middle here. So go, I would encourage you, go through and read it again, right? And um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's hard to read sometimes, okay? But this is why we, this is why we do this. We want to be able to study scripture together as a community because we believe that all scripture is God-breathed and there's a reason that we're going through this. And we want us to, we, we when I say we, the, the leaders here, we want us all to grow in our biblical literacy, right? So many times uh, in our lives, when we, have, when we experience joy or we experience tragedy, our knee-jerk reaction isn't to go to scripture, Okay, And we want that to be the case. This is God's word to us. I'm speaking this to myself as much as I am challenging and encouraging you. We, want, we are people of the book. We want to grow in our depth and understanding of Scripture. So I've been really convicted, candidly, about that as we've been going through Joshua, dusting off Joshua, thinking, man, I haven't read this in years. And I'm getting familiar with the story of Israel as they head into the Promised Land. And if any of you are like me, you need to refresh yourself with it, okay? So if you're like me, you're prone to study the same books that you like all the time, right? And you dive, like for me, I love, and I share this in my discipleship group, I, I'd read through First and Second Timothy in the Gospel of John all, over and over, right? And that just so happens to be what we're going through, is we went through First and Second Timothy, now we're in the Gospel of John. So after that, we're going to have to stretch ourselves a little bit, but really, this is kind of an aside really, really want to encourage us as a body to grow in our understanding of Scripture, which that will only, only happen as we dive into it throughout the week, okay? So you, as you open this, trust me, if no, if, there's life in here, okay? There is, there's more life in here than we, than we give it credit to, and it's alive. And I was sharing um, with Shannon this morning here, who's here, and I was, as I was preparing to preach this week, I had a very busy week, like many of you, right? We have very busy lives. And as I was studying, I was like, God, how do you want, what do you want me to speak from your text today on Sunday morning? What is it? And I was coming up with blanks. I'm like, God, I could go this way, I could go this way, but God, what do you want to speak to us? And I found myself spending time looking at what other preachers have preached on when they got to Joshua 10, right? And uh, that's just kind of like, uh, I'm just kind of giving you behind the scenes of when preachers are preparing Oftentimes, rather than studying scripture, they'll look and see what other people have wrote about it. 
I'm just being real with you, okay? Here's the thing that happens, though. When you start to look at other people's stuff, they've been inspired by Scripture. So I got really, really convicted this week when I just closed my computer, shut, like, shut everything down, opened my Bible, and was praying, right? Because it's a challenging text what we're about to head into, okay? And as I was praying and reading, praying and reading, guess what happened? God spoke to me. Amen? God spoke to me. And so here's the thing. Like, we want to hear from God, but we don't pray. And we want to hear what God's speaking to us, and we neglect to, to study Scripture. Right? And so God has so much that he wants to speak to us as a body. God has so much he wants to speak to you, but you've got to take him at his word. And what that involves is you opening up and submitting yourself to it and asking God to speak to you through his word. He will speak to you. Who wants to hear from God? Raise your hand. You want to hear from God. He's already spoken. He's way more infinitely able to bless us than we could ever imagine, right? So we want to, we want to get in here, okay? I want us to study. So did I beat that thing to death well enough? Yes. Well, okay, guess not. I guess I'll keep going. All right. So let me pray before we dive in. Father, thank you for this opportunity to study scripture together with your body. Lord, I ask that you would come and you would open up your word to us and that you would speak to us to a person and as a body, that you would encourage and convict and that you would move us from where we are now to where you would have us be and that you would take us from our small thinking about you and enlarge it so we could have more of an understanding of you and a clearer vision of what, who we are in you, and I pray that you would speak to us today, and that we would have courage, and that we could, and that we, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've been going through Joshua. I just kind of want to review quick. The first week I, I, I shared, I talked mostly about how God's command to Joshua was to be strong and courageous. And if, any, if anyone ever asked you, what's the book of Joshua about? It's that, being strong and courageous. And then Shannon spoke the following week, I believe it was the following week, he spoke about Rahab, or rehab, however. It said rehab on the website, right? Rahab's rehab. Um, talked about Rahab and the crazy story that that was, that God used a woman who wasn't even an Israelite, right, to be part of the redemptive work of what he was doing. That was an amazing, it's an amazing story. And then we talked about, um, James talked about us, uh, about the Israelites crossing the Jordan. And then last week we heard from Michael talking about the Israelites heading into Jericho, right? So that, that's where we find ourselves now. The Israelites have already begun. So we're in, in chapter 10. We're in chapter 10. I'm going to read through verses 7 through 14. I want to head, show you where we're headed. So we find, this is where we find the Israelites. We find them about to go in and continue the conquest that God has given them, okay? So God gave them the land, and he said, go take it. And so Joshua and the army of Israel, they're kind of going to town. And they're really, it, it's, let's just be honest, it's tough to read because it's a bloodbath, okay? And, and, and he's really, he's taking out the enemies, and they're moving forward, and they're leaving none behind. I mean, it's, it's really really intense, right? So God had a mission for the people, and he sent them in, and he's fighting for Israel, and they're getting down. And so what we see, we see a number of things happen. Let me read through the text today. Um, actually, let me back up. Take that down for a second so we're not distracted by it, actually, because I got ahead of myself. Okay? So we see as, after Jericho, when the Israelites are moving forward, a number of things happen, right? God says, do this, they do it, and they advance, right? He says, don't leave anything 
behind, right? So there's a lot, there's a lot of destruction of the people. That's the hard part to hear. Like, like wow, did they really, that really need to happen, right? He also says, all the treasury that you get, all the silver and all the gold, don't keep that for yourself. That's going, that's going to God. That's separated for God, right? And so there's very clear instruction that God gave. And sometimes the Israelites were, were like, yeah, you know what? When we were in here, we saw some really great things. I think I'm going to keep these for myself and um, not obey what God told me to do. And that doesn't go well for that guy. I think his name is Achan. That's how you pronounce it, right? Or Achan. And he ends up, because he didn't follow what God told him to do, he ends up getting destroyed. And so he ends up dying. Right? So we see that happen, where God's got his command to the people to move forward and to do what he called them to do. Right? And when the people deviate, even his own people, the Israelites, said, you did what I, didn't, what I told you not to do. And that's not going to go well for you. I have a plan, and I have my way, and I want you to follow me, and I'm going to bless you. But when you deviate, it's not going to go well for you. There's a lesson there for us, right? There's a lesson there for us. Also, we see that Israel makes peace with people in the land, right? The Israelites are coming in, and they're smoking people. And they're, like, it's, it's, they're getting destroyed. And some of the people are getting scared. and like, oh, my gosh, they're coming for us. We better make peace with them. So Israel, Israel makes peace with the Gibeonites, right? And they're not a Jewish nation, but they still make peace with them. And they don't even consult God, and he still honors it, right? So there's a lot of things as I'm reading through this, I'm like, this doesn't, I wouldn't have done it like that. That doesn't make sense to me. God, what are you speaking to us here, right? So, right, so the people, the Israelites go to do things, they deviate from the plan, it doesn't go well for him, they die. And then where you think that he shouldn't save people, and they're like, we want to make peace with you, the Gibeonites, they're allowed to. And not only that, they're protected, right? So we find ourselves here where the Israelites are continuing their conquest, and they've had these experiences, right? They've, they've crossed the Jordan, they've defeated Jericho, they've had some hiccups amongst their own people with the Israelites, right? And they were, like, if you were the guy who saved some stuff when you, told, you were told not to, right, and then you died, that probably didn't happen for a little while, right? <laughs> the Israelites like, that didn't go well for him. We're going we're gonna to obey you, God. We're going to keep moving forward. So as they're moving forward, it's becoming known that the Israelites have a God who fights for them and defeats their enemies. So what happens as we get into chapter, uh, chapter 10 here, the, there's five kingdoms that join together to fight against the Israelites. Because they're like, listen, I don't like you and you don't like me, but we don't like them more. Right? So the whole idea, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, that's what's happening here. And so they band together, and they're going to come after the Israelites. And so this is going to be a huge, huge battle for the Israelites. There's been big battles, but this one is like, it's going down. Like they're all gathering together. And they're unified, it's a unified front against the Israelites. And that's where we find ourselves today in Joshua 10. So let's read. Now you can put it up there. So we see, this is where we find ourselves today. So, this is the, the five armies are coming together against the Israelites. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel. So he threw the armies into a panic before Israel. I want you to notice who's at work here, okay? Joshua acts, the army acts, but notice who's in charge, right? 
So the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with the great blow at Gibbon and chased them by the way of ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Azekath and Makedat. Butchering it, but as they fled before Israel while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekath and they died. Okay, this is why you guys need to study scripture. This is why we need to study scripture. I hadn't read that in a long time. So I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm like, wait, what just happened? God is throwing rocks down from heaven at the enemy of Israel. Okay, who's never heard that before? Raise your hand. You've never heard that before. Okay, this is why I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's so much stuff in here that we don't know what's going on. Our God is a powerful, conquering king, and he's creative, and he fights for his people. He said that the five armies are against Israel and they're outnumbered. They have all their best men and they're going down. God's like, don't fear. I got it. You get out there and get them. By the way, I got some rolled up my sleeve I haven't told you about. You'll see it in a second. Don't worry. Throws down rocks from heaven. We, this is a side, we do not, I, oftentimes, I don't think we think our God is big enough. I think we think he is as small as our imagination can get. And we can imagine how big and powerful all God is only based on our own experience, right? But he is so much higher than that and so much more powerful than that that he does stuff like this, right? He throws down, he throws down large stones from heaven on them as far as, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, this is where we're going to camp out a little bit. Sun, stand still at Gibbon and moon in the valley of Eichelon. And the sun, and the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. In the, is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of man. For the Lord fought for Israel. The Lord fought for Israel. This is remarkable. Now, there's a number of things that I, I, I'm not even pretending to be intelligent enough to talk to you about, like, the science of what happened here. Sorry, Hannah. Um, um, but... Here's the thing that's remarkable to me. The army of Israel is going down. They have five armies against them. They're outnumbered. God throws stones down from heaven to defeat their enemy. And then Joshua's like, oh man, if we run out of daylight, this isn't going to go well. God, can you please have the sun stop so we can continue doing what you've already called us to do? And God does it. He does it. What a, so there's a few things that you learn from this. As you're reading through it, you're thinking, how did this happen? Especially here, especially this is remarkable. God just was throwing stones down from heaven. Could he have been like, Joshua, that's impossible. I can't make the sun stop. I got this whole bag of rocks I can throw at him, though. No, <laughs> he could have done that. And he's like, yeah, the sun will stop. I'm going to stop it so the nation can continue doing what I've already prepared for them to do. Right? So... That's the text for today. What do we do with this now? How does this apply to us? 
What are we going to do with that, right? Rocks falling from heaven, defeating enemies, people dying, people getting slaughtered, right? In the name of God. And, he's, and God's fighting for Israel. This is a challenging text, right? And we think, God, what do we do with this? There's a few things that I think for us today that God has for us. And I want to try to unpack this for you a little bit. Okay? So, as, we're, as you're looking at the people who are, who are getting destroyed, you think, How, what, was the, what was the reason here? Why did this happen? And there's a few things. I think the number one thing is the, the number one thing we're going to get to a little bit later. So I'm going to make you wait. Okay? The first thing I want to tell you about is this, that God does It's remarkable, that we need to remember that he did then when the Israelites were coming up out of, out of, out of uh, Egypt, as they head through Jericho, and as they went out to take the land. He did that then. He did that in the New Testament. And he's doing it now, is that God is going to fight for his people. God is going to fight for his people. Right? This is, a, this is something that we, we need to remember. God's willing to do the impossible to accomplish whatever he wants done. Okay? Now we get so stuck in our small thinking that we think, well, that can't happen. Or that will never happen. Or when we think about people in our lives, maybe some of you in here today, oh, that, that person will never change. Or that guy's going to never get saved. Or this guy, that marriage will never get saved. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. Right? Or this, this, this city will never get taken for God. Madison's too tough. Oh, it's to this or it's to that, right? That is nonsense. And guess what? That's not coming from Scripture. That's coming from the enemy who wants to limit what he thinks can happen in the name of Christ, right? So God is so much bigger for that. God is, he wants, he wants a people to himself and he's going to build his people. He's going to save his people and he's going to build his people, which is his church. So here's the thing for you. God's going to fight for his church, we are a part of his, of his people by being part of the church. He's going to fight for us. We need to act. We need to do what God's called us to do. But God will fight for his church. He wants to make his church purified. He wants to make his church beautiful. Right? So today the church is the Israel. We're part of Israel right? as the church. So the message is this. God is going to fight for his people. That's powerful stuff. That should make you breathe a sigh of relief. Whew. Oh, gosh. Because if you're Joshua, you're thinking, oh, man, we got a lot of work to do. I can't do this on our own. And he starts to fear. Over and over, God keeps telling Joshua, do not fear. Do not fear. I'm going to fight for you. I will fight for you. Okay? So it is, here's the thing. Sometimes we put burdens on ourselves that God never put on us. The battle is God's. It sounds cliche, but here's the deal. What happened in Israel, what happened with in, against, the, uh, against these five kingdoms, God fought for Israel. The battle was won. The Israelites were part of it, but who got the victory? God did. It was God's victory. It was because of what he did. He used the people, but it was about his name, and it was about his glory. Amen? Amen. So he wants to use us to advance his kingdom. He will use us to advance his kingdom. Not to advance our own, however. That doesn't go well. 
When we try to advance our own kingdom, that's not going to go well. But when we're on board to advance his, he'll fight for us. Okay? So that's the first thing. The second piece is this. God's calling, God called Joshua to do something bold, to do something that was extraordinary and non-normative and not done before, where Joshua's like, son, stop. We have a mission to do. We have more things to accomplish that God's called us to. This needs to happen. This needs to stop, right? The sun needs to stop. Here's the deal. In chapter 7, if you look back in chapter 7, right after there was all this stuff that went down in the nation of Israel, there was sin, and the army started to get depressed a little bit because of the sin that had happened, and God had to come in and correct and take, take them out, take Achan out. Um, Joshua's all whining about it. And he starts to sound like what the Israelites were. And, and, and so in Joshua 7, he's depressed, and he's based on the loss of, this, of what had happened. And he says to God, he's like, why did you bring us across the Jordan? We should have just stayed right there. Why did you, take, why did you do that to us? We were fine. You know, now we're going to go here, and this isn't going with this, well with this guy, and there's people sinning, and things aren't going well, and you know, they're making, he's making a big deal about it. And Joshua's really complaining to God. And God says to him, so in, in, chapter, in Joshua 7, verse 10, after Joshua goes on this long tirade about, he's basically whining to God about how depressed he is and how things aren't going to go well, this is what God says to Joshua in verse 10. Get up! <laughs> Why have you fallen on your face? And the enemy says, stand up! Get up and stop whining. Why have you fallen on your face? Have you forgotten so quickly what I just did in Jericho? Have you forgotten how I defeated the army of Jericho? So many times we do this. We get saved, right? We experience victory over things. We move forward. We have a, t- a little hiccup. We're like, oh, God, you don't like me anymore. And oh, my God, my family, you know, or whatever. We make a big deal about these things that happen in our life. And God's like, did you, what? Did you not just remember what I just did to you? Did you not just remember how I saved you? Do you not remember how I called you by name? Please remember that. Stand up. You got work to do. You can't just sit around. Stand up. So Joshua, what happens? He gets up and he starts moving. That jo- Joshua 10 doesn't happen, right, if he just sits there, right? It ha- somebody else would have had to do it. But So I love that verse that Joshua's going, so Joshua gets this confidence, almost this swagger in, in Joshua 10, where they got five armies coming. He's not remembering what he was just doing in Joshua 7, where he was like, God, why would you leave us here? He's like, no, God told me to stand up. He told me to get off my face and to go do it, and that the battle's his. I'm going. You know what? We're not done yet. God, stop this son, because we're going to keep getting at it. He's like, all right, we're all good. This is what this was my plan anyway, so let's do it. Right? That's encouraging to me. Because I don't know if you're like me, I forget what God has done. When times get tough, I forget what God has done. And I get discouraged by when things go poorly. And I forget that God has a call and a plan and a mission and a people to save. And I'm one of them. And we have a and there's stuff for us to do. So many times we can get stuck in what went poorly that we miss what God's calling us to do that he's already planned for us. And the enemy would love no more than for us to get so stuck licking our wounds that we don't do anything for the kingdom. God's going to plan. He's going to build his church. He's going to do it. That's not going to stop. It's just a matter of not who he's going to use. 
Is he going to use you? Or is he going to use somebody else? I want to get used. I want to be on the team that's going into battle. Amen? Okay. So, that's bold. So, we need to be people who are willing to take risks to accomplish what God has called us to do. This is not a safe thing that God's called us to. Right? We need to be able to take risks. We need to be able to expand our thinking. We need to be able to think bigger than our own circumstances and ask God for the impossible. Right? Ask God for the impossible. So many times we get stuck just in this eternal thing. James 4, um, 2. You can put that up, Dave. You desire and do not have, it says in James. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your own passions. This is a, one of the most convicting verses to me. How often do we over-ask God to do things? Can we wear him out? Can we wear God out with our prayers? I challenge you to try to wear him out with your ask. Get to it. You know what? You've already asked me that 14 times. I guarantee you it won't happen. You can't wear him out. You know what you can do, though? Probably not ask enough. Probably not come with the bold ask to the Father and be like, God, would you save my family? God, would you save this city? God, would you build up your church here? Would you build up Damascus Road? Would you help me kick these things that have been in me for a while? Would you do that? We don't ask enough. And guess what? You have not because you ask not. Joshua stood up. Boom! Son, stand still. I'm going to get at it. Never happened before. I don't think it's ever happened again. Right? But God is in the, he's in the business of doing things unlike we think they're supposed to happen. So this is the thing. We have to expect more from God. We have to. And the challenge is to study scripture and to pray and to ask God. And he says, and James, you don't get what you want. You're not getting what you want because you're asking for your own passions, right? If you're asking continually for God to build up your own kingdom and for you to be made much of, plan on those, those prayers not getting answered, okay? Just preemptively, so you might as well save yourself. But if you're asking for God's will and you're asking for his kingdom to be built and for you to be used in it, you will be satisfied, you will be used, and your prayers will be answered. Okay? So sometimes maybe you have been praying and your prayers haven't been getting answered. You're probably not praying for the right things. You're praying for your own kingdom to get advanced and not his. That's just a challenge to you because we do that. Okay? So the other thing is this that we learn from this text is that God, so God's willing to fight for Israel, right? He's willing to fight for Israel and will We'll use his people for that. He's calling us to a bold faith. He's calling us to ask more, to risk more, to ask for the impossible. And he's all, but he wants this too. All of this is under the heading of he wants a people to himself. God is jealous for a people that he has set apart, that he can sanctify, that carry his name, and that have his... The, um, that have his presence on them, and he's willing to fight for that to happen. He wants a people that are sanctified and set apart. So when you're reading through here and you see certain people not making it, right, it's because God wanted a people that were purified. He wanted a people that were sanctified. 
And he was going to purify and sanctify his people. And it was going to look messy. And I, don't, I can't tell you I have my whole head wrapped around exactly what that all looks like. I'll just be honest with you. But I trust God's goodness. And I trust that God's plans are better than my plans. His ways are better than my ways. So when I read that, I say, God, speak, this, speak to me on this. What does this look like? And that's what I gathered. I wanted people sanctified and purified for me. That, that look like me. That smell like me. That talk like me. That have values like me. Okay? I don't want you looking like the other cultures. I don't want you dipping off doing your own thing to build your kingdom. I want you to build my kingdom. And guess what? Isn't that the safest place to be at? Part of his kingdom? But we so oftentimes deviate and want to do our own thing. But God wants a people that he, that will know him and that he will know. That's what, that's who God wants. Right? So we're called to look different. As believers, we should look different. We should sound different. We should have different values. And we should have a different size faith and expectation of God. Not like the way the culture and the world is. We need to be distinct. I know sometimes it's hard to say because you're like, you don't want to sound judgy and you don't want to separate yourself and you don't want to be an exclusivist. Here's the thing. God's calling a people and we're going to look different. We better look different. Right? We better sound different. We better love differently. We better practice generosity differently. Right? We better give differently. We better forgive differently as he's forgiven us. We don't hold grudges and hold on to bitterness because he hasn't. Right? So we look different because of who God is. All right? So, um, as the Israelites are taking the land and they're going in and taking over the conquest of Canaan, we see that they need to wage war before they can rest. Before they can rest. Okay, this is just a, not a large point, but it was interesting to me. They had to keep going and keep conquering before they could rest. God's calling us to a rest, but there's stuff for us to do first. I don't want us, as, as I was reading this, Israel, the Israelites kept going, and they kept going, and towards the end of Joshua, then they were able to enter into a rest. That's a whole other story. But for us, I want us to be aware of this. I want us to know that we're called to do the work of the kingdom and we will enter into our rest as we're doing what God's called us to do. As, he's do, as we're doing what God's called us to do. So, um, to kind of re- to, the last thing is this. The church, we are the Israelites. Okay? So we are God's people. If you're, if you're, a, a, if you're a, a Christian... And you've recognized that you've been sinned, that you've been saved from your sin by the work of Jesus. You are now part of the church, and you are now part of the Israelites. Okay, so God wants you to know this: that He's going to fight for you. He's going to fight for you. He wants you to have a bold faith, and He wants you to get to work. He wants you to get to work in what He's called you to do in this city. And as I was reading this, I was looking at how God had told Joshua to have courage. And to go take the land, right? I was, candidly, I was thinking, God, what does that mean for us to take the land? What do we do? What does that look like for Damascus Road to go take the land? This is what it looks like. It looks like us living differently, loving our neighbors well, and boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can come to renewal with the Father and know that he loves them and they can enter into their rest with the Father. So we want, to, we want to be a church that proclaims the message of the cross, 
right? Knowing that God's already fought the battle for us. Jesus already died on the cross. He's already ready, standing for people to come back to him. And we are his messengers to take that message out in this city to have Jesus known. So that's our job. We need to go out and do that and proclaim the message. And we need to not have fear about it. And we need to not, um, we need to have courage. And I was thinking about this, how God had spoken this message of needing to give courage in the past to other people as well. That's spoke to you very clearly as we're looking at it. When you think about, so Jesus comes, and then after he dies and goes back to heaven, he commissions the disciples to be the apostles for the church, right? And as they go out and they get spread out, we see Paul as one of the, as one of the, the Paul the apostle, who is planting churches all over, much like how Joshua was taking over new territory and going into the land, Paul, with the message of Christ, is going out into the land and proclaiming the message of Jesus, and he's planting churches, and people's lives are being changed, and God says the same thing to Paul that he said in Joshua. If you open up um, Acts 18, you see this. So, just like how Joshua was dealing with issues with the people's sin and things not going well, Paul is in Corinth and things aren't going well. The church is running into obstacles. Paul's preaching. He's, heading in, he's running into all these same sort of things. And, Paul, and, and so when God speaks to you and says, take courage, right? Do not fear. You have to believe that if he would have said that, that must be what that person was doing. Joshua must have been afraid before he headed in to go take over Canaan. So God said, don't be afraid, take courage. Paul, the apostle, as he's planting churches, is also, he hears from the Lord. It says in Acts, 10, Acts 18, 9-10, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Amen. So here's the message. This is the thing that I want you to walk away with, if you walk away with anything. God has many people in this city who are with him. Some of them know him. Some of them don't. Some people in the city don't know the message of Jesus yet. So we need to not be afraid. We need to go on speaking and not be silent because we have work to do still as the church. We have work to do to go out and see the message of Jesus penetrate every corner of the city and have families Lives change because they don't know that Jesus loves them yet. Right? So this is the, hang, this is the thing you hang your, 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 your hat on, so to speak. Don't be afraid. Keep doing what I've called you. I will fight for you. I already have fought for you. I have plans for you. I want more people in my family. I want you to help me do it. Don't be afraid. Go do it. Amen? Don't be afraid. Go do it. I've had an experience this week. Three times this happened to me in the last two weeks. Um, and this I just kind of wanted to share. I don't even know if it's 100% applicable. But three different times, I was, one time I was in a park with my family, and a woman walked by, and I said something, and she said, huh? She goes like this, what did you just say? I, was talk, I, I had my daughter, uh, Iris, on my shoulder. We were at a park. And this woman walked by me. She's like, oh, you have that beautiful little thing in this park. She's going to get all dirty and grimy. I'm like, it's okay. I got her. I got her protected mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and she said, what? She said, what are you talking about? You got her protected mentally and spiritually. You're a believer, aren't you? 
And I go, yeah, I am. She goes, hey, amen. We talked for 20 minutes. At the end of 20 minutes, we ended up praying right there in the park. They prayed for me and Kirsten. We prayed for them. I was blessed by that. I was blessed by that. And I was like, man, they're part of the church in the city. They're doing something different that I never would have known about had we not had that conversation. And they're like, what church do you go to? I'm like, this, uh, whatever, never mind. What church do you go to? You know, like, it didn't even matter. It was about what God's doing in this city. And then the other night, we're at the Mallards game, and we're hanging out in the, um, on, the, uh, on the grassy area in the back there. Um, and my kids are running all over, and we're next to this family. They got kids running all over. And um, my kids stole their peanuts and brought them over to us. And, and uh, it was funny. Kirsten's like, what? she thought I had bought them. So it was just kind of this kind of weird thing. And at the end of the night, like, we're, we're talking, and we bought them peanuts back and gave them to them. Maybe that's what showed our hand. But the guy, we're chatting, and the guy, I didn't say anything about, about Christianity, anything about Damascus Road. The guy goes to me, so what church do you go to? And I go, what? I'm like, do I have a, like a name take on or something? You know what I mean? I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And uh, he goes, well, I can just tell. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, because I have six kids, you know? <laughs> and he goes, it's not just because you have six kids. And I go, yeah, right. <laughs> but he goes, no, I can just tell. And I'm not saying this to build up myself by any means. They, they're, another, they're a part of another church here in town. We're able to talk there at the Mallards game, share what God's doing in their life, in their church, right? What God's doing in our life. And in our church, we were able to love each, kind of bless each other and be like, man, that's awesome. And it wasn't like, hey, man, you should come to our church. And I wasn't like, hey, you should come to ours, right? Like, it was like, I'm, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're doing your thing. And we're doing our thing. We got to have that encounter. And then last night, again, we're at a barbecue with some neighbors came over from another friend's house. At the end of the night, we ended up finding out they're believers. And I could tell. I could tell. I knew they were believers before they even said anything. They just had this air about them, this different spirit about them. And at the end of the night, I talked... We know a whole bunch of people that just moved here. They know people that we know, we know right? So it was really interesting for me as, we're getting, as I'm getting ready to teach this, and I'm convinced that God has so much more for this church, for this body, in this city, that he wants that to happen more, where the church doesn't dwindle in numbers, it increases in numbers. And all throughout the city, there's gospel-centered churches that are excuse me, proclaiming the message of Jesus and families are carrying that out into their city and it smells and looks different, right? And you can just kind of tell. Like, man, what's up with what? You're, like, you're, that was one of the best compliments I ever got. And I, and I struggled with even sharing it because I didn't want to sound self-serving by any means. But he'd be like, man, what church do you go to? And then I kind of was like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna say to me? <laughs> yeah, no, like, in my flesh, I'm like, ah, where, where are we going here? Right? But the thing is, this it's not about me, right? That'd be ridiculous. It's not about me or my family. It's about what God is doing in our lives, redeeming a people to Him. That we do it together, and there's so many more people in this city that need to hear the message of the cross, and and God's gonna use us to do that. God has a plan for Damascus Road to reach the city. And so we get to go see, God, you have a history of doing the impossible. You have a history of using people who aren't qualified. You have a history of using people who have really messy pasts, right? And you have a history of calling a people to yourself. That's what, we, that's, that's what I want to get on board with. That's the mission that I want to get on board with. That's what I want all of us to get on board with, Okay? So that's the challenge. Get get in. Be um, 
God has so much for us. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss it thinking small. I, I challenge you guys, don't think small. Think bigger than you think you, is even reasonable. Ask God to start with you, to change your... If you've had some limiting thoughts, if you've had some, some beef with God or some other people, that's going to get in the way. If you have some things that are stopping you, some sin you need to confess, right? God wants to use you. Let's not think small. Let's think, and let's see, let's see the city changed, okay? I just had to hiccup there for a second. Thinking about the fact that God wants to use us to redeem this city and to redeem people back to him. I'm on board. I hope you guys are too. Amen? Amen? Okay, so we're going to head now into a time of worship. As we close this out, as, we're think, as, you, as, as I've mentioned before, the worship at the end isn't just for us to be like, hey, that's nice music for us to go get coffee to. This is a time for us to think about the word that's been spoken, to not be afraid, right? To think about what God's called you to and to pray about that. And as, you're, as we're going into worship, ask God, God, what have you called me to do? Who have you called me to love? Who have you called me to proclaim the gospel to? And please do it, God. You do the work. I can't do it. You do the work. So I encourage you and challenge you, as we're heading into worship, be praying about these things. Be thinking about these things that God has called you to do. Okay? So, we're, and then after, as, during worship, we're going to, as always, have a time to come and take communion. And this isn't a light thing. Right? You come up and you're remembering what Jesus did for you on the cross. It's, it, because we do it, Weekly, it has the potential for it to get reduced down to just something we do. This is a time for us to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us, to thank him for his sacrifice, and just to ask him for his, and to thank him for his, his grace to us. So do that as we head into worship, and um, I'll close us in prayer here. God, thank you that you will fight for us, that you're a God that loves us, that cares about us, that can do the impossible and has called us to the impossible. God, if it was possible, we wouldn't need you, but we so desperately need you in our church and in our city. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us out to be a people that are known by you. I pray a blessing on Damascus Road so that we could grow in maturity, that we could grow in faith, that we could have audacious faith to ask for big things, Lord. We want to see this city come to know you. And we want to see families and lives changed by the gospel. I ask that you would pour out your, your mercy and your grace and your favor on each person here today and those who call this home so that they could do what you've called them to already. That they, wouldn't, that, they would, that they would have victory and that they would see fruit of what you're doing, God. I ask, that, I ask for tangible results. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.